Hi, everyone, and thank you so much for joining us on the We Thrive podcast, where we share stories from entrepreneurs around the world about how they're creating an impactful legacy. I'm your host, Casey Clark, and today I have the pleasure of interviewing Angela Martin, owner of Shepherd Staff In-Home Care. So thank you, Angela, for joining us today. It's a pleasure to be here. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I never thought I would be an entrepreneur in my past life. My, um, uh, my primary purpose was always to be a mother. Uh, I worked for a few years after I got married, and then I had my first child, and, and I quit to stay home. And after about six months, I was kind of ready for a new challenge in addition to the challenge of having a baby. I went back to my old job, and I said, you know, do you have anything I can do at home? I was actually a medical writer. I worked at uh, National Institutes of Health in the news branch, and my primary job was writing feature articles for uh, for publication in um, you know a general um, you know like mag popular magazines, and translating medical research into language that anyone could understand. So I had written, I'd been published in a few magazines. I'd actually gotten an award, and I loved it. Uh, they actually offered me a promotion if I would, you know, hire a babysitter and stay. And I said, no, thanks. <laughs> uh, they were glad to have me come back and work as a freelance writer. So I did that for a number of years. And I eventually developed my freelance business. And I did freelance writing on different topics for about 30 years while I was raising my family. Wow. And uh, <clears throat> as the, the kids, you know, grew up and got into college and, and eventually, you know, the nest was empty and I was kind of ready for something different. Um, as my kids got older, my mother's health started to decline and um, I found myself more and more becoming a family caregiver. Uh, my mom lived with, with my dad and they lived in my brother's home, so he was kind of there and they didn't really need care, but as she became more infirm, she had several strokes, then um, there was a heart attack and cancer surgery, and, and she became very weak and unable to do the things that we all take for granted. Things like, you know, using the toilet and uh, just getting out of bed in the morning. And it got to a point where it was too much for my dad, and I had to step in and convince him to hire people. And that was, that was a process because he was this old-fashioned Italian that believed that, you know, family takes care of its own, and the idea of hiring a stranger was really foreign to him. And he had some predictions about how bad it would be, and most of them came true, sadly. <laughs> um, it was not an easy process, but eventually um, we were able to find some really helpful women that helped get my mom, you know, uh, taken care of for a number of years. And then as she continued to decline, that wasn't working, so I had to hire... Uh, um, well, she actually ended up at that point going into a nursing home because, you know, the, the ladies that were doing it got too old and couldn't lift her anymore. And she became more of a heavy lift, more of a two-person assist. So um, she went into a facility and she lived for three years in a nursing home. And, you know, we were going up there and visiting her there and we kind of went through the whole process. Hospice, you know, it was a real learning experience. Mm -hmm. And um, when, when she died, she died in 2008, uh, my dad had been in really good health right up until a 
few weeks before she died and then he got a bad cold and it went into pneumonia. He never really was himself again. And two months after she passed, he died uh, very suddenly. And uh, so I became an adult orphan. And that's, that's a moment in your life where you really take stock of your life. And, you know, you think about, uh, you know, where am I going? And is there something that I'm supposed to do? Yeah. And I guess um, what I did, I, and it was, and I, I consider it a calling, but I, I kept feeling a desire to do something to help people that were in the situation that we had lived through, to help elderly people and help family members that are dealing with elderly parents. So I wasn't quite sure what that was, but my husband and I used to have these long conversations when we were in the car, you know, going somewhere and, and we would talk about what, what are we going to do when we retire or, you know, will we even be able to retire? You know, can we afford it? And, and we thought that maybe starting a business while we were still young and of working age would be a, a good thing to do. And, and we decided we wanted to, to find a business that helped the elderly. So, so we did some research and, um, and one uh, New Year's Day in 2011, you know, we, we had this conversation like this is time to make resolutions. Are we going to, to really do this or are we going to just keep talking about it for another year? And, um, and my husband went away and then he came back a little while later with his laptop open and he said, what do you think of this? And it was a website about in-home care. And it was a franchise and, and we looked at, uh, you know, we started to talk seriously about could we run an in-home care business? Mm -hmm. And we decided we did not want to be part of a franchise. Uh, we eventually found an advisory group called the Seniors Choice. It was a membership board organization of independent home care providers. And they provided training and they provided resources and assistance for people wanting to start their own in-home care business. And we liked their philosophy, so we said, let's do it. And we jumped in and um, April 2011, I, I went down to Baltimore and uh, signed the papers to, um, to start a business. And uh, we just started building from there. We put an ad in the paper to hire caregivers. Uh, we really had, you know, no idea what we were doing, what we were getting into, you know. It's kind of like getting married. If you realize what it's going to be like, you'd never do it. But it was an amazing adventure, just an amazing journey. And it, it grew from uh, three clients in our first year. Uh, we had nine clients in our second year. So I thought, wow, you know, 300% growth, <laughs> you know, who can do any better than that? And, uh, and then it kind of grew from there, you know, not quite as fast, but, uh, but we are um, recognized in the community. We, uh, Shepherd Staff in Home Care has, has an excellent reputation and we're caring for uh, about 60 clients. There's, it fluctuates, but uh, it's, you know, it's been steady. We're employing a lot of people. We have a great office staff, and uh, I never thought that, that I would be doing this, but I'm really loving it. That's awesome. So you're coming up on a 10-year anniversary here soon. Yeah, that's right. Next year will be a 10-year anniversary. We'll have to really celebrate that. Yeah, definitely. That's awesome. So as you know, our podcast name is We Thrive. So it sounds like you're really, you know, like you said, you're employing a lot of people, you have great office staff. 
Um, so it sounds like you're really impacting those around you. So tell me what the word thrive means to you. You know, I really spent some time thinking about that. And to me, I think to thrive means uh, to live well. It means to live a life that is in balance, um, you know, in tune with reality. Um, I think it means becoming the person that you were meant to be. And it means uh, having a balanced life, and that's being in balance physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. Everybody has those four aspects, and, and you really have to take care of all of them. Uh, so that, that's one thing that really uh, com you know, comes to mind. But when I thought about you know, how, how am I thriving and what does it mean to thrive, three things came to mind. The first is giftedness. I really believe that everything of value is a gift. You know, everything that really matters in life, you can't pay for it. It comes to you as a gift. And we really need to recognize that and value and cherish the gifts that we've received. You know, my life is a gift. Just the, the fact that I exist is a gift. And everything that, that I've done and accomplished really is a gift. I don't take any credit for it. So, um, so that's, that's the first thing. And then when you receive a gift, the response is gratitude. So to me, uh, gratitude is very important. Just recognizing um, that, that I'm grateful for everything. And, you know, and that applies in business as well as in life, you know, expressing gratitude to our caregivers and to our clients for trusting us with their care is, is really part of who I am. And I think that's reflected in the way we run our business. Um, even the challenges that we face, you know, it's all, uh, it happened, things happen for a reason. And sometimes things happen that we wouldn't necessarily choose, but then we realize that we grew from it. So sometimes looking back, you realize even some of the more difficult moments in my life, you know, just thank you because it was, uh, it was a value to me. Yeah. And then finally giving back, you know, to me, service is, um, it's, is what we do. And it's really what I feel is, is my calling, you know, to do something to give back. You know, I did not bring myself into existence and, you know, the only, um, you know, proper response really is for me to make a gift of myself to others, uh, you know, to my family, to the people I serve and to, uh, to give back in a way that uh, will, will help make other people recognize their giftedness and their value. So, uh, so just living a life of service and, you know, giving myself away is, uh, is really what I believe. Uh, you know, I'm a Christian, it's part of my faith, but it really makes sense to me. It really has become, um, you know, something that is, is who, part of who I am. I love it. I definitely, I love the gratitude part um, and, you know, the service. I feel like if we receive, we're kind of obligated to give in a sense. So, yeah. yeah. I think we bring more love into the world. And by doing that, we help other people 
to realize their giftedness. Yeah. And that is so needed in the world today. There's so many people feeling um, offended, feeling not valued, feeling, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, the hate is the answer. And yeah. really, love is the only thing that can overcome hate. Yeah. That is, that is what we're called to do, is to bring love into the world. I love it. So when you're being of service and bringing love into the world, what obstacles have you uh, had to overcome that have kind of prevented you from thriving? Well, you know, I felt like I had to like really go back in time when, um, you know, I was considering that question. Um, and I think as a younger person, like many of us, uh, when I was younger, I was more goal-oriented. I was more about, you know, wh what's in it for me or, or what, you know, making sure that, you know, I was getting back what, what I was putting into relationships. Um, that's not all that uncommon. Um, but, you know, when you focus on yourself, it, you really, uh, it does not bring you joy, really. No, and, and I reached a point in my life and... I had two toddlers. I was pregnant with my third. I was overwhelmed. I was just, you know, I had a husband who was working long hours, which, you know, was wonderful because he was supporting us. I wasn't working and my writing job was really just bringing in pin money. I mean, it was not something that was a major source of income. So, um, you know, so I kind of reached a point where I was like, what's it all about? You know, uh, is this all there is? I am, you know, I'm not sure what I believe anymore. And I remember a rather emotional moment when I was kind of shouting at the ceiling, are, are you there, God? Because I'm not sure I believe in you anymore. You know, I'm not feeling it. I really need some help here. And, and I, you know, I can't say that I had a major epiphany or a lightning bolt or, or anything like that. But, uh, but I feel that God revealed to me in a very quiet internal way that he was there, that he had always been there and that I needed to trust him. Mm -hmm. And uh, and that was kind of a turning point in my life. It was really, uh, you know, where uh, a point where I, I realized that I was not in this alone. And I think that that's uh, very important to, to realize that, uh, you know, that we are, we don't have to do it all ourselves. You know, there is help to other people, you know, God works in, in very many mysterious ways. And sometimes he speaks to us through other people. Right. And so I learned to tune in to those little ways and to recognize the, the little gifts that uh, were coming my way and to, to just be aware of them and to trust him in the difficult circumstances. Yeah. Is there any particular circumstance that stands out to you where you really had to lean on your faith? Yeah, in um, 1984, um, on a day just like any other, completely unexpected, my husband called me and told me that my twin brother was in the hospital. Um, I knew he had been sick with what he thought was a cold, but I had no reason to suspect that there was anything seriously wrong. Mm -hmm. um, by the end of the day, he was in a coma. Oh, and wow. uh, I had a, a girlfriend with me that day. Um, she, had come to my house for lunch and she was there when my husband called me and so she said I'll take the kids and you go and and you know she took care of things and when I got back that evening she was waiting with food and and consolation 
And the next day she took my kids again. We went back to the hospital and my brother was taken off life support and he died at the end of a very long, sad day. And, um, you know, I went, went back to, to get the children and, you know, she was, again, my friend was waiting with, um, you know, with love and support and hugs. And, uh, you know, it was a, a very dark time that, that week. You know, we planned a funeral and, you know, I had to kind of help my parents through that. My, my mother was literally prostrated with grief and, and it was a very difficult time. And I really relied on my friend and she was a beautiful woman who had a, um, a medical condition that was not uh, chronic. It was not really life-threatening, but, um, but a week later, uh, just about a week after my brother died, uh, our kids were playing together and, and we were sitting together nursing our infants and talking about life and death and, you know, what we believed. And that was on a Friday. And on um, Sunday, I got a call from a mutual friend saying she had been taken to the hospital and that uh, she had very low blood pressure. And I thought, well, gee, that's not, that's not bad, is it? And Monday morning early, I got the call that said she had died. Wow. And that at that point I was prostrated with grief. I mean, it was like a one-two punch. She was a person who had helped me through my brother's death and he had only been dead 10 days and now she was dead. And, um, you know, we went through, through that funeral. And that was really a point where, you know, I, I had to cling to my faith because it didn't make sense. Uh -huh. But it was, um, you know, it was what it was and I had to just keep putting one foot in front of the other and live through it. And there was, you know, there was help. There were other friends that, that came to help me. There were people that came to the funeral that didn't even know my friend, but they were there crying alongside of me. And, and you know, I remember, you know, telling one woman, you didn't even know her. And she said, no, my tears are for you. Oh. And I was just so touched by that. She's one of my dearest friends today. And you know, the void got filled, you know, in ways that I didn't expect. Wow. And it just, it becomes part of your story. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, you know, I know and I believe that my friend lives on and as my brother does. I, I talk to my brother all the time. So, uh, and, you know, and I feel like we're still connected. You know, we're twins. We're very close. And that bond is still there. So you have mentioned that your newfound friend kind of filled the void. Um, what other relationships or resources have you used to kind of help yourself thrive either personally or professionally? Well, I think girlfriends are essential for women and, you know, my <laughs> girlfriends and I have a group of them and, you know, they're, um, you know, we're each other's tribe and, and that's really important, you know, just supporting one another, you know, so I have a group of women my own age that I'm friends with. And some of the business friendships that I formed, I feel have been, you know, very enriching, you know, my friendship with you has enriched my life. And I, I hope that that uh, maybe is mutual, uh, yeah. you know, our, um, you know, the, the women's groups that, that I'm in, the Women's Business Network and the holistic women group have been very um, helpful to me. Um, I want to give a shout out to our friend uh, Carol, uh, who did Strength Finders with me and then later on with my whole group, because I think the Gallup Strength Finders 
is a very good resource yes. for getting a better understanding of yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, years ago, my husband and I did a um, uh, Myers-Briggs inventory that was set up specifically for married couples. That was pivotal. That, that really helped our relationship and helped our marriage to thrive better because it made us aware of our personality differences and, and how to use them to our advantage, you know, recognizing that there's no, you know, right or correct personality. It's just different. And, and that was a really helpful moment for us. Um, that he and, the strength finders? Yeah. That awesome. So, yeah, he's done that too. Our, our whole team did it. And that was really helpful because I needed, I was doing payroll and I needed somebody to help with it. And we did strength finders and was like, oh, look at this. <laughs> you should be better at payroll than I am. And that turned out to be the case. So, uh, so it was really great for helping us reorganize the tasks that, that people were doing in the office. Awesome. So I think it's a great resource for businesses and, and probably just... I mean, when I learned things about myself, I learned that my highest strength is connectedness. And I thought, well, that makes sense. Yeah. I can, I can own that. Yeah, absolutely. So I know this podcast isn't about strengths, but I have to ask, do you know your top five? Yeah, I think uh, my top five is connectedness, empathy, uh, belief, intellection, and responsibility. I'm not surprised at all. <laughs> not surprised at all. We both share responsibility in our top five. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. So any other resources that you've used to help you thrive at all? Yeah, actually, um, years ago, I came across a piece of writing, and it was uh, something that uh, just affected me so much that I printed it out on a piece of paper and it's all tattered and dog-eared because I've had this now for 30 years and I keep it on my bulletin board and, and I read it every day. Um, it was written by a, um, a Catholic bishop. He actually was an, an Anglican and he was convert to Catholicism and just last year he, he was named a saint. His name is uh, John Henry Newman and he wrote, God has created me to do him some definite service. He has committed some work to me, which he has not committed to another. I have my mission. I am a link in a chain, a bond of connection between persons. He has not created me for nothing. I shall do good. I shall do his work. I shall be an angel of peace, a preacher of truth in my own place, while not intending it, if I do but keep his word. Therefore, I will trust him. Whatever, wherever I am, I can never be thrown away. If I am in sickness, my sickness may serve him. If I am in perplexity, my perplexity may serve him. If I am in sorrow, my sorrow may serve him. He does nothing in vain. He knows what he is about. Very cool. That gave me goosebumps. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. That is fantastic. So you read that every day? It hangs on my bulletin board and it just keeps me grounded. It reminds me that no matter what's going on, I have a mission to do and I need to trust. Yes. So speaking of that mission, what does legacy uh, look like for you? Like, what does that word mean? 
Well, um, <laughs> I remember it, it means, you know, creating something that will live beyond you. And, and I remember when my kids were starting to reach adulthood, I, had, I gave birth to five children. I raised six. I had an adopted child, and she's in religious life. So she won't be uh, reproducing. But I, I remember telling my five kids, now, I, I want a legacy. I want, to, I want to be the founder of a dynasty here. So, so you need to have kids. <laughs> and I said, you know, if I have 25 grandkids and they all have five kids each, then there'll be 125 in the next generation. How cool is that? So, uh, so we have 22 so far. We have 22 living grandchildren and two in heaven. And uh, so, uh, so I'm hopeful that, uh, that I might get to that 25. But my family is a wonderful legacy. And they are, you know, uh, I have terrific grandchildren. And I'm now starting to see them grow into adulthood. And knowing that, you know, what we pass on to them is going to be passed on to their children is just really powerful. And, you know, will the business live on beyond me? I don't know. Um, you know, I haven't figured out, you know, what what's going to happen when I'm not able to run it anymore. But I am hoping that, you know, between my staff and, and the people who, who know about it and care about it, that, you know, that will be revealed to me in time. And I don't need to know right now. Awesome. Awesome. So you've given a lot of really good information and some nuggets today. Is there anything in particular that you'd like to share that, you know, might be a nugget that would help someone who might be struggling? Well, uh, just whatever you're struggling through, this, I used to always say this too will pass. You know, suffering does not last forever. Um, it, um, you know, the, the fire that burns uh, straw refines gold. And when we feel ourselves in a fire, we are being refined. We can choose to let it destroy us, but you have a choice. And the choice would be to, you know, to hang on, to recognize that no trouble lasts forever, that there is a higher purpose and that you are part of that purpose. And uh, just keep putting one foot in front of the other and um, and you will eventually get through it and see the meaning. Yeah, absolutely. I agree 100%. So any other burning desires or thoughts that you have that you haven't shared so far? No. Um, I, I, I've really enjoyed talking to you. I think, uh, I think sharing our stories is one of the most important and powerful things we can do. And I love that you've encouraged me to share stories and um, look forward to hearing other people's stories on your podcast. But everyone should realize, you know, you are, um, you know, the accumulation of, of all the stories in your life. You know, you are writing your story with your life. Awesome. And that is, um, and your story will live on and, and will have meaning for others. So, so share those stories with the people you love and with the people in your life. It's, it's a great thing to do. Yes. Well, despite having traveled with you before, I learned something new today. So, <laughs> yes, <laughs> learned things about you I had no idea about, and I'm looking forward to our upcoming trip and spending more time with you. Yeah, me so. too. 
Yeah, it's definitely been a pleasure. So again, I'd like to thank you for being a guest. And I'd also like to thank Stephen Lamar Moore, who produced the music for our podcast. So thank you again, Angela. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.